We've got a very important episode for you today. We are talking about cybersecurity, safety in retirement. Uh, we've got a special guest. He is an expert in this field. His name is Joe O'Donnell. Uh, he speaks very nicely around something that is a really technical type of uh, topic. And we're, we're talking about phishing emails. I'm sure you've come across those here recently. It seems like you get one every other day. Uh, password uh, safety and just navigating the world of the internet in the best way possible. So you're going to, you're going to want to listen all the way through. Yeah, this is a, a, such an important topic. We get trained on it all the time as a, as a firm. It's, it's not anything to be scared about. It's about just being safe. You can use tactics to keep you safe uh, so that you can be able to have the convenience of the internet, but you're not worried about uh, losing uh, your, your uh, information uh, as well as your credit or your money, all that stuff you can keep safe. Now, if you would like to have a conversation with myself or Merce about any topic that you ever hear on the podcast, feel free to go to our website, top right-hand corner, click on schedule call. Our calendar comes up. We're happy to hop on a phone call with you to have any discussion you would like to have. Uh, and we would be just love it to be able to try to see if we can help you or assist you. But before we get into this episode, we have a very quick disclosure. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve, Welcome everyone to Secure Your Retirement Podcast. Today it is all about security. Uh, We have a special guest with us, uh, Joseph O'Donnell, but we call him Joe. He said we can call him Joe if we're his friend and and we do feel like we're his friend. So let me just say this before we go much further, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today on a very, very important topic. I'm going to let everybody know what the topic is here in, in a minute. But first of all, just thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me over. So here's what we're going to talk about today is, in all essence, financial security, but through the avenue of what we're going to talk about today is cyber security. And this is an ever-growing concern. I will tell you that in our world, the Securities and Exchange Commission requires us to do cyber security training for employees as well as for our firm because we have to put forth effort to make sure that our client's information is safe. And so we're doing a lot of things in our office when it comes to cybersecurity, a lot of training, a lot of avenues to protect. But what we find is, is that clients themselves need to do things to protect themselves. And uh, I'm going to tell one quick story before we get into the interview here, but I'll give you an example. We got an email from a like a supposed client And the email said, I am uh, out of town uh, and I don't have access to things and I need some money uh, from my account. Everything looked legitimate about the email. I was able to look. It was, in fact, his email. 
Uh, it was his, it was not a, a spoof email. It was actually his email. So what our protocol is, if anybody ever calls us and asks for us to move money, take money, move, like do anything with it, we never do it off an email. I called the client and I just said, hey, I just received an email that appears to be your email asking for money. And he said, that is absolutely not me. So what had occurred is his email had gotten hacked and, and, um, and they were sending it through his email account. So that's just a little example. But I will tell you one of the topics that we just had a, confer uh, a, um, a conversation with at a conference, Joe, was about what are called phishing emails. So I thought we could start this discussion off. And could you just educate us a little bit on this? Because I think it, you agree that this is a growing topic. What What is a phishing email and why is it people are doing it? What are they trying to gain out of it? You know, uh, that's a great question. We get that all the time. You know, phishing, it's, like it sounds, somebody is fishing for something. They hope you take the bait is basically what happens. And so the engineer, it, this could be, you know, most commonly it's, it's an email message, but it could be a text message or even a voicemail that they leave for you. Uh, whatever it is, they're, they're fishing for something. They're wanting you to take the bait. And that could be where uh, there's some type of threat. There's usually a threat involved and there's urgency to that threat. And they're hoping you don't pay attention to it so that you click on a link, you volunteer a password, you provide a, a PIN number to your credit card or some type of financial account. Because once they get that information, now they have access to uh, money, Finance is always behind it, money or possibly to other things that are behind or accessed with your email or your phone number or something like that. And those things can, you know, like I said, there's different ways they can get them. But email is one of the most common avenues that uh, are used to get that information. And it doesn't really matter who you are. They're not pinpointing, hey, uh, I'm going to I'm going to target you today. It's a it's a blanket casting out and they're going to see who's going to who's going to bite on that email that says, hey, your iCloud account is going to be canceled today. Uh, you have uh, your credit card is over the limit. Someone tried to purchase something. Can you authorize this? Uh, those types of things. There's an urgency and a fear factor to it to get us to respond. Yeah, I actually I was going to ask if, if text is becoming more common because I got one. I got a text today, actually, and I'm, I haven't decided whether or not it's phishing yet. So I'm going to go Google some of the words that are in the text. Um, but it just so happens that I placed an order three days ago for a piece of furniture for our house. And it's it's not the text is not coming from the company that's supposed to deliver. So I'll, I'll, I'm on high alert always when I get a random text or a random email. And so I guess we could go into how do I how do I verify this right so how do i what does what does someone do other than just stay i guess that you want to stay vigilant no matter what but what are sure. some of the things that someone can do to decide or decipher whether or not it's a phishing email or text that's the number one question you know a lot of times because i work in 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 technology people will say well i have antivirus doesn't that protect me against these types of emails and things that come in no, not really. <clears throat> Antivirus is for a very specific type of threat, and a phishing email does not really come under that umbrella. 
And one of the reasons that phishing emails are so effective is because it's not a computer replying to another computer that we can protect against. We can, we can prevent computers from taking advantage of things. The harder part is the soft target. That's you and I, we reply, we volunteer. So training like what we're talking about today and being vigilant, being aware of what the, what the issues are and how to avoid them is, is the most important part. Uh, you know, one of the, the biggest things when you receive an email, uh, when it is when it has some type of threat, and when I say the threat can, can be different levels. It could be, oh, you're over your balance. Uh, did you make this charge? Did you charge this to your credit card? Your account is about to expire, those types of things. Unfortunately, the way email is today, you just cannot trust an email. So if you get an email like that, the number one thing to do, step back away from it and don't trust the email. That's number one. Because the minute you trust it, they've already got a foothold on you and now they can go to the next level, which is getting you to click on or to call a number or do something about it. So that's the number one thing. Don't trust it. Just back off of your, your fear, the emotion of the situation. And then the second most important thing you can do, verify. So just as an example, if I received an email that said uh, my credit card received a charge for 5,000 some odd dollars, uh, did I approve this charge? Well, that might be shocking and I maybe go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yes, I was shopping on Amazon, but I didn't purchase this $5,000 purchase or so on. What would you do? Well, you would do what you would need to through authorized channels. So for example, if I'm going to call my bank, I'm going to use the phone number on the back of my bank card, uh, or uh, I may use the website on the back of my bank card. I'm not going to use a link in the email because remember, we don't trust that email where it came from. I don't trust the phone number. I don't trust the website. So stepping back and then using a verified source for a phone number to check your account or go to the website that you know, don't use the links in the email, that th those two things right there can eliminate almost all of the risk when it comes to a potential phishing email, no matter where it comes from. You know, uh, if you can't, if you don't mind, Joe, to kind of talk about this, cause I know we just jumped into this whole thing, but you know, a lot of times I've get clients and, and by the way, I wouldn't say that these are just older folks. This kind of goes across the board where, and this is what they'll say. I fear all the problems of being online. So I'm just not going to be online. I don't want to be a part of that. So can you speak a little bit about, I guess, two things. Number one, I, I always tell them you're online, whether or not you think you're online or not, but, but either way, like, should these things that we're talking about, all these phishing emails, the people trying to hack us, all the kind of, should it, should it make us, it should it make us so scared we say, I'm not going to participate with this online world? Or what should the mentality really be? No, that's a, that's a fair question. Uh, because a lot of times the unknown and you, all you hear is the bad stuff. It can put a fear into you where you don't even want to do it. But uh, using the internet is a lot like driving my car. Do I let the fear of I might get in an accident, I might get in a head-on collision, I might be hit by somebody who reads, runs a light at a uh, or a stop sign stop me from driving? No, I'm just careful. 
I pay attention. Before I cross an intersection, I'm a little bit more vigilant uh, than I was when I was 18 in driving. You take necessary precautions. I have insurance on my car in case something does happen. So it doesn't prevent me from being able to get around. I mean, sure, I can get around without having a car. It would just take me four times as long to do everything, which isn't really practical. So using the internet is a lot like that. Almost everything uses it. And if you don't it's say, well, I'll just avoid using it. You're, you're probably already using it and didn't even know your bank or, uh, you know, if you go to the post office, the UPS store to ship something, there's going to be a small, uh, you know, footprint of yourself as part of what they're capturing for you and what they're doing. So there's really no getting around it. So the best way is just to be informed, just like you would be when you're going to be driving. You take a safe driving course. You know, we take precautions, even with my children. I train them on here is what you need to look out for when using the internet. I just don't hand them a computer and say, okay, there you go, have fun. You know, you would give them, we give them training and precautions. So they know what to look for, know when to raise an alarm, uh, what to stay away from, uh, and so forth. So that, that helps in having that type of precaution because it, when, when it comes down to it, it, we talk about emails because that is one of the biggest things that will come. You know, we get our utility bills can come that way. Our, you know, if I have a mobile phone, they're like, hey, we'll give you a $5 discount if you get your your invoices or your bills via email versus paper. That's very common where you get those type of discounts. Even your insurance company will even do that. But there's other, other reasons you have to be vigilant too, not just email. Like you mentioned, uh, I've gotten voicemails. You know, people will call me and you know, on your phone, you'll see the number and you're like, I don't. I don't know that phone number. I'm not going to answer it. And then later you listen to the voicemail and there'll usually be like this long pause. And then all of a sudden you'll hear what sounds like a busy call center in the background with someone with a, uh, you know, an accent that is definitely not local. And they're telling you that, uh, you know, we've been monitoring your computer. This is Microsoft and uh, we found a virus on your computer or something like that. Microsoft doesn't monitor your computer. Neither does Apple or HP or Dell or anybody else. But what they're playing on is that we all have a fear that there might be something wrong and we want to take care of it. We want to fix it. So the voicemail thing or the text messaging, hey, we found, you know, you there's this fraudulent charge uh, from your bank and they'll even give the name of the bank and they'll put a please call this number and reference this account number, this this code to authorize, you know, that, that it's you. And we're like, oh, yeah, I, I better call them. So you click on that number. It's not your bank. They'll pretend. They'll ask for your account number. Oh, and can you verify yourself with your social, you know, the last four digits of your social? This is everything they need so they can call your bank and get access to your account. So, you know, just because we talk about the Internet, there are different avenues they use to be able to do fraud, you know, because that's really what it is. They're taking advantage of you. Email is one way. Voicemail is another or your phone. Text messaging is another so the, the principles you learn when it comes to that, they, they travel a traverse across all the different types of mediums that you might come across, not just the internet. So it's good, it's good to think about and be prepared about. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, Get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. 
If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Yeah, while we're talking about fear in the in the internet space, uh, you know, if, if you go back a few years, one of the biggest uh, data breaches that happened that put the idea of data breaches on the map was, uh, I think it was TransUnion or one of the largest crediting reporting agencies in the world, yeah. uh, TransUnion, Equifax, one of those two. Um, and people were talking about that more and more. And since then, you kind of hear about something, some type of breach here and there almost every month, it seems like of large companies, credit card companies, banks, uh, and and uh, uh, anyone that carries significant amount of data, typically personal and financial type of data about you. So, you know, in, in this world, I think that part is inevitable. It's not like you can protect Discover Bank from uh, releasing your information. These things are going to happen. But when they do happen, what is what is someone to do and what how does someone kind of navigate they get that letter in the mail of you may have been exposed right yeah this is a great question great question you know one of the biggest problems that we as users i'm just grouping myself in with this we already have a lot of stuff to remember you know where we're parents uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're single. We have a lot of things going on our plate. We're at school. Maybe we're retired and there's just a lot of moving parts to our lives and having to remember passwords is a pain where a pill can't reach. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's a bane of our existence of having to remember passwords at the passwords. And then we hear the advice, oh, you should have a separate password for everything you have. Even I, I know this, but my inclination is another password. I'll just reuse, you know, I'll use the same one across multiple things. And that's where the danger lies, because at some point it's inevitable where that password is going to be used by another person on this planet and end up on a password database or list that some hacker buys off the black web. And, you know, and then, and then, you know, on the dark web, everything goes across and then they start using it uh, to try to hack different sites. It's going to happen at some point. So uh, you, you mentioned a good one about TransUnion was, was one, uh, one that's more recent that happened, 23andMe. A lot of people have used 23andMe. They bought it for their grandparents. Hey, let's run this and let's find out our ancestry. Lots of people did this, you know, and there is risk when you do, when you do anything. And so what happened? Well, somebody with a weak password, their account was hacked. And because in 23andMe, you can find out who your relatives are and say, oh yeah, other people that are related to me can see me. It kind of domino effect into it being able to see information and they could garner in their information for other people. Now it was limited in what they're able to see, but you see the how did that hack happen? Was it 23andMe? Well, they do, you know, have some responsibility towards it, but ultimately the person who used the, you know, the, <laughs> the rinky dink password, you know, password one, two, three, or their kid's birthday or something, that's what allowed the hacker to get in. So first and foremost is making sure that you have a secure password. If it is, if you get a notice, you know, if you get a notice from 23andMe, hey, we think, 
your account information may have been included in one of these hacks or Home Depot or uh, Union. These are all companies that we have used and had have had breaches in the past. When you get a notice, change your password. And that's the number one thing uh, that you can do. I, I got an email last week, and this was through my work email. All of a sudden, I got this email that said, and it was from a legit user. <clears throat> the email address, I had never corresponded with this person before, but the, the company is one of our clients. And I got an email from them that said they had a SharePoint file to share with us. Now, SharePoint, I won't get too technical here, aka OneDrive, like Dropbox. But then I was like, well, that's unusual. Ding, ding, ding. I wasn't expecting anything from this person. And then number two, uh, when we when we talked security about this before, when I hovered my mouse over the link, it was not a SharePoint or OneDrive link. It was pointing to uh, Dropbox. So already things are a little off. What happened? The person had fallen for a similar type of, ta a type of tactic. They had entered in their information thinking they needed to log in to get it and nothing happened and like, well, maybe I typed it in wrong. It was garnering that information. It was put into a database. The threat vector, that person, then logged into their email address and sent out this blanket email to all of their contacts. And that was why I got one of the emails. <clears throat> you know, the, there, it's not a malicious type of thing, but when you discover something like that, first and foremost thing that you do, change your password. Absolutely. You'll see that a lot with Facebook. People will get hacked and you'll see their accounts get hacked. Uh, change your password if you can get back into your account. That is the number one thing to do immediately. Second thing to do, if your account, whether it is your Facebook account or your email account or your internet account, your wireless bill account, will allow you to use two-factor authentication, do it. Yes, it's a pain in the butt, <laughs> but it's far less of a pain in the butt than having someone breach your account or uh, take on your identity, uh, you know, gain access to your, your social security account with the government, these types of things. Do that. Make sure you set that up with everything you can. Yeah, just yeah. just in case uh, we've got a listener who maybe doesn't understand that terminology, could you briefly explain what two-factor, sometimes called multi-factor, could you just kind of explain what that is and, and how that works and why that is such a protection? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So you'll you'll hear abbreviations such as MFA or, or the number two FA for two-factor authentication or multi-factor uh, authentication. Basically what that means is you have to sign in twice. So think of it like, okay, well, I'm going to sign into my, uh, let's say I have a Verizon account. I'm going to log into my Verizon account. I have an email address. I have a password. So that password is my first factor. And then it will then use what the two-factor authentication, which means it's going to send you possibly a text message to your mobile phone, or it will call your mobile phone, or it may have some other little app that it might use to authenticate who you are that's separate from the email address and password. And that will usually thwart a lot of the 
issues with passwords. So if your password did get hacked somehow, and a person tries to log in with your email address and password, well, they don't have your phone and your phone number, or they don't have the other authentication app that you might have set up, like Google Authenticator uh, or Microsoft Authenticator to get the two-factor pop-up or the text message. So that, that stops them cold in their tracks. They're not able to go any further. So that's what two-factor authentication is. First factor is my password, and then that prompts a text message to my phone, which is now gonna be my two-factor or my second-factor authentication. And I take that code from my phone and I enter it in, and now I have access to my account. So what are your thoughts on while we're talking passwords uh, um, around password managers? Like, like Google's got one, Microsoft, LastPass, mm -hmm. all these different products out there. It, are, do they work? Is there anything to be cautious about with them? Yeah, no, those are, that's a, another really, really good question. So that kind of goes along to my, my thought earlier about how passwords are a little bit of our bane of our existence because, you know, having to remember a separate and unique password and then, then, you know, you're like your bank or your insurance or your medical carrier is like, okay, we need this to be a complex password. <laughs> you're like, great. Now it has to be something that I'm never going to remember. So a password manager is a fantastic way to help you have complex passwords and unique passwords for the accounts that you log into. And then the only password that you have to really remember, and of course it needs to be a good password, is to get into that program. So yes, that's a great way to do it, though you wanna make sure that you use something that has a good reputation. Uh, and encrypts that information. So if that information is garnered or accessed in some way, it appears as googly gark. They're not gonna be able to understand it without your key code to, to get it. A lot of people ask me, well, what about the, you know, my browser, it will memorize passwords for me. That's true, it's very convenient. Um, I would say that's better. So if you were to, if you were to level things, if I write my password on a sticky note and put it on my monitor, not real secure. Someone could walk in and see it. Putting it under your keyboard, yes, that's more secure than having the <laughs> sticky note on your on your monitor, but it's not as secure. Uh, if I were to store that password in my browser, and it is, it does have a level of encryption uh, or protection to it, that's better than having it on a sticky note. Having it in a password application, such as LastPass or 1Password, I think we've talked about that. I use that one uh, myself personally. That's better. You're, you're stepping up the game even better um, in those regards. <clears throat> so, you know, for browser-based ones, you know, I, we usually recommend that people don't store them in the browser-based ones. Uh, you know, maybe for, you know, the, the more sensitive and confidential ones, if you if it's for like your New York Times account or, you know, to log into your favorite news account or something like that, some things that are uh, inconvenient if they get lost or hacked, but not the end of the world, it's not going to be a problem. But for your more confidential things, because the browser-based password lists are a little bit of a target, whether it's on a Mac or a PC, for uh, you know threat we call them threat vectors or hackers. Uh, we we tend not to recommend those because they they do have a little bit of a big bullseye on them, uh, and but instead use like a, a program like LastPass or OnePassword or a couple that I know a lot of people use. 
Well, <clears throat> Joe, <clears throat> I know as a company, we're required to have ongoing cybersecurity training, and we want to provide that for our clients as well. And so <clears throat> while we're not going to try to cover everything today, uh, we try to keep these uh, episodes at around the 20 to 30 minute mark. You've shared a lot with us, but we would love to have you come back and and maybe and, and we'll just try to, you know, keep up to date as to what's going on in the cyber world of things and uh, and and try to keep everyone who is listening to this podcast up to date because we feel it's extremely important. So we appreciate very much. I know there's probably a lot more uh, things that to share, but instead of trying to cover it all today, we'll just try to we'll try to continue to chip away at this idea of being safe on the on the internet. But we would love to say thank you very much for coming on and sharing some of these uh, these uh, uh, tidbits for us to make sure we keep ourselves safe. So thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.